Good, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you here to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church this morning. It is a new month, and with a new month, we are back into our regular routine of having family services. Um, we've maybe forgotten what the regular routine has been with Easter and all of our extra services, but from, from this Sunday on, we will be back into our regular routine. So we're going to do our reading in two parts. Our, our next story in the book of Exodus is in Exodus chapter 16, and Leslie is going to come and she's going to read the first half of that, and we're going to, to think a little bit about that, and then she's going to come back a little bit later to do the second half of the reading. Exodus chapter 16, um, verses 1 to 21. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, 
He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Um, I wonder, how, how good is your memory? <laughs> Bad. <laughs> My memory is definitely not as good as it used to be. We have a little um, test here, and, and we're going to come back to this. But um, I, I'm terrible at asking for directions. And then as soon as I've gone away from the person I've asked directions, I forget entirely what I've been told. So here are some directions for you. So this is, this is your set of instructions to get to the destination. You're going to go along a twisty road. You're going to take a left. You're going to come to a roundabout. You're going to take a right. You're going to go up an incline. Then you're going to go right. You're going to stop at the traffic lights, and you're not going to hit this deer. OK? Right. We'll come back to that later. <laughs> OK. Here's another question about how good your memory is. Can anybody remember what Duncan told us last week? Can anybody remember what Duncan spoke about last week? It was to do with Moses and Pharaoh, and it was a big rescue. Do you think you know? That's the one. God opened up the sea. God's people had been slaves in Egypt. This terrifying Pharaoh was being unbelievably cruel to them and treating them incredibly harshly. And they cried out to God to rescue them. And God sent Moses. And, and Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Moses said, or, and Pharaoh said, no, no. And God sent all of these plagues until finally the, the firstborn sons in the house of Egypt were struck down dead. But the houses that had the lamb's blood painted over them, they were safe. The blood of the lamb protected the people. Well, then after that, they ran out of Egypt and they came to the sea and God himself opened the sea so they could cross. They were rescued. They were free. And, and this morning, we come to the next part of this story, the next part of the journey. We move on actually just a couple of months from, from where they'd crossed over the sea this morning. And we come to the wilderness. We come to the desert. And the passage that Leslie just read for us, I think two things come out really clearly from it. Number one is grumbling. And the other one is grace. Grumbling and grace. That's what we're going to look at in this little section. Now, the grumbling of the Israelites was actually quite astonishing. They hadn't long been rescued by God in this incredible way, and now they're in the desert, and they start grumbling. Can anybody remember what they were grumbling about? Did anybody pick it up in the reading? Yes. That's right. They were grumbling because they said, we're hungry. 
You've taken us out of this land of Egypt where there was plenty of food, and now we're in the middle of this desert and we're starving to death. What have you done? We'd rather be back in Egypt. We'd rather have died in Egypt. It's incredible, isn't it? That they were grumbling quite so quickly. And I think we can, we can discover some reasons for this grumbling. I think their grumbling was due in part to forgetfulness. They forgot who had rescued them. And they forgot where they had been rescued from, quite how bad it was back in Egypt. And then I also think that they just didn't understand God's rescue plan. So they, they forgot who had rescued them. And, and that comes out in the fact that actually they, they grumble to, to Moses and to Aaron. They're, they're angry at Moses and Aaron, but actually we read through that passage that Leslie spoke to, and it tells us that the grumbling wasn't actually to Moses and Aaron. They were grumbling against God. It wasn't Moses and Aaron that had brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. It wasn't men. It was God who had rescued them. So when they were grumbling in this way, they weren't grumbling against men. They were grumbling against God. And they'd forgotten just how terrible things were in Egypt. They thought we would rather be back in Egypt. They'd forgotten all about the terrible slavery and hardship that they experienced under Pharaoh. And they didn't understand the plan. They didn't understand the plan. They confused the journey with the destination. Now let me explain what I mean. Could you imagine if your parents told you that they were going to take you to an exciting trip to the zoo one day. The zoo is incredible, full of loads of fun animals. A fun-packed day was in front of you, and you were really excited. So you pack up into the car. It's a long drive, but 10 minutes into the drive, you pull off, and you stop. You don't know this, but your dad just stopped to get some petrol in the garage. And you get out, and you think, we should be here. You see some stray cats wandering about, and you think the zoo is rubbish. And you'd be right, because you're not there yet. You've confused the destination with the journey. And the Israelites, they were out of Egypt. They'd crossed the sea. They were God's people. They'd been rescued, and they thought they should be here. They should be at their destination. That land that God had promised to Abraham, their father, a long time ago, this promised land, this perfect place, abundant with food and all of these good things, they thought they should have it now because they'd been rescued. They confused the journey with the destination. And, you know, we sometimes do that as Christians as well. We confuse the destination with the journey. We think that because we've trusted in God, because we have been saved and rescued, that life should now be easy, that we should have all of the blessings that are promised to us. And and we do have so many blessings as Christians now. We, we enjoy the forgiveness of sin, the certainty of a perfect eternal relationship with God forever. But we don't have everything now. We don't yet enjoy that perfect place, that perfect place where there is no sin, no broken relationships, no difficulty. And so we can get disillusioned if we think that now 
is as good as it gets because it's not. There's so much more to look forward to. But the pattern of Christian living is actually the same pattern as the life of Jesus. He suffered first and then had glory. And that's the same pattern that, that we should expect as Christians, that actually life is difficult sometimes. We live in a, in a broken world, so suffering is a part of our daily existence. But we look forward with certainty to the fact that we will enjoy glory with God forever. But first, we are, we're in the wilderness. But then the next thing, the next point that I want to highlight is God's response to this grumbling people. God's response is remarkable here. I don't know about you, but if I, if I was in God's shoes, I would definitely not act the way that he does here because I would be raging. These people are so ungrateful. They've been rescued from a terrible situation. They haven't done anything to rescue themselves and now they are in this desert and they're complaining to God about where they are. Could, could you imagine if you were out on a walk one day and you heard somebody crying for help, shouting, and you found somebody and they were stuck in quicksand. They couldn't get out. The more they wriggled and wrestled, the more they sank, the more stuck they got. So you go and you get a branch and you pull them out of the quicksand. You've saved their life. How would you expect them to respond? You were going to say something, Catherine, were you? By saying thank you. That's what you'd expect, isn't it? You'd expect them to say thank you, but what would you do if then, instead of saying thank you, they said, what have you done? I had a packet of crisps in there, and now I've got nothing. I want my crisps back. I was better off in the quicksand. You'd be raging, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be pleased. And that's essentially what the Israelites are doing. Saying, you've rescued us, but you know, we had food back then. We were okay. We had some good things. We were better off back there. If it was me, I would say, well, sling your hook and go back to Egypt. But but that's not what God does. God is gracious. And, And we see how God responds to the people, even in their grumbling. We see that God says in verse four that he's going to give them bread, but not just a little bit, and not just any kind of bread. He says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. It's abundant. God's grace is so much more than this people deserve, and it's so much more than we deserve. God gives grace abundantly to a grumbling people who do not deserve it. And that's the pattern of the gospel. That's, that's what God does for, for you and for me today. And we see that there is another element to the grace of God in this story and how he provides this, this bread, this, this manna. He does it abundantly, and he gives them, we see, just as much as they need every day. He fills them full every day with his grace, with his bread And it's a daily thing. Each day, God provides. And he keeps providing. And he tells them exactly the pattern to expect. You see, six days, there is bread. And on the sixth day, there's twice as much bread so that they can have a rest day. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. 
but he provides this grace daily, something we can depend on. God is faithful. God is, is so faithful. And when we think of this bread from heaven, I don't know if that, that bread from heaven phrase sparks any memories or any thoughts in your head. But if you've, if you've read the Bible before or if you've looked at any of the stories of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, that bread from heaven phrase might spark a memory because Jesus talks about himself as being the bread from heaven. When he fed this crowd with so much bread that there was abundant leftovers, people came racing after him looking for more bread. And he said, you know, you're, you're, you're looking for the wrong sort of bread. You're looking for bread that fills you physically, fills your stomach. But I am the bread of life. Jesus is, is this bread that fills us fully, permanently, spiritually. He gives us what we need for eternal life for this perfect relationship with God forever. So when we look at the grace of God in this story, it's grace to a grumbling people, and I think we can relate. It's grace to a people who don't deserve it. It's abundant, it's more than we could ever ask or imagine. And it's day after day, and it points us ultimately to how Jesus gives us grace. He gives us life, and when we come to him, we can know perfect fullness forever. So this story tells us how God is faithful, how he keeps giving us the things that he says he's going to keep, uh, it's the things that he says he's going to give. And I'm going to ask Leslie if she'll come up again and read from the second half of chapter 16 in Exodus. Chapter 16, 21 to the, uh, 22 to the end. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will your people refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, 
Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Amen. Thank you, Leslie. So we've looked at grumbling and grace. Now we're going to look at rest and remember, which is the, the, the themes, I think, that come out from this second half of the chapter. And I don't know. I think we're not a people that are very good at rest in general. I think we, we revolve around work, so many of us, and work in terms of our day-to-day activities in order to provide resources, money and food, things that give us stability and security. This is often the, the rhythm and the pattern of our lives. And we struggle to rest in what God provides for us. And that's not just in material things. Very often that's also true in, in spiritual things. We struggle to rest in the grace of God. We, we seem to think that we need to work to earn God's favor. We need to work hard so that God will like us and be friends with us. But this isn't the pattern of the gospel. The gospel is something that is to give us rest. And here in this story of how God provides for his people, we see the necessity and the importance of rest in the life of a Christian. We've talked about how the life of a Christian is, is often marked with suffering, but also there is a deep rest. The word shalom is the kind of the peace, the depth of peace that is experienced by Christians when we come to rest in what God has done for us. And we, we see the way that God provided this, this manna in the desert. There was a pattern, there was a rhythm to it that was designed to keep the people resting in God and not relying on themselves. And it's a lesson that I think we really need to learn as well, day on, day on. We need to remember to rest. And and we need to remember to remember is the other thing. So there's this pattern of rest. And you'll see through the the passage that, that there is commandments given by God. And so often we think that God's commands are given to restrict us. They're given in order to to take something away. But here, again, the pattern of God's commands in, in the giving of the manna and how they were to gather it in was all for the good of the people. God's commands are for the good of his people. So when we neglect God's commands as some of the Israelites did then. They gathered in more than they should. They tried to store it. It didn't gain, they didn't gain anything by that. In fact, they robbed themselves of this rest that God offers. They robbed themselves by disobeying God's words. And there is this rest in the Sabbath that is in this passage. There is this, this one in seven pattern week on week on week for 40 years in the wilderness. 
this pattern is established, that on the seventh day, the people were to rest in all that God had provided. They were to rest. And this is a pattern that we struggle to maintain, if we're honest with ourselves. I think it's a pattern that we we struggle to, to maintain now, to have this week on week routine where on one day we gather to rest and to rejoice and to enjoy all that God is and all that he has done for us. Now, there's many reasons why coming to church on a Sunday is is difficult, and for some people, is frankly impossible to have it every Sunday, and that is a real loss. That's, That's difficult for those who have to work shift patterns and things like that that they just can't get away from. It's definitely not the thing we should be opting for if we have any choice at all. We should be opting for this rest pattern that God has established for us. If it's in our power, then this is something for our good. Not a, not a legalistic burden that we are called to do, but actually this is good for us. This is what God has, has called us for, and that's why we've gathered here this morning, each one of us, is to, to rest in what God has done. Now, the last point is about remembering, and I wonder if any of you can remember. <laughs> can any of you remember the direction? I, I think the children might have a better chance of remembering than, than some of the adults. So, if you put up the next slide, Dougie, we've got some options. We have some instructions. There was the red, the green, the blue, and the yellow. I'll not go through them all, but um, you think you know which color it is, Samuel? You think the red, okay, any votes for red? Any votes for green? Any votes for blue? Quite a few for blue, any votes for yellow? Oh, I, do you know, I'm, I'm quite impressed actually. It is the yellow, but there's a lot of us who forgot. There's a lot of us who forgot, and I, if I hadn't made it, would definitely have forgotten. You know, if we, if we only see something once and then don't come back to it, it's really hard to remember. It is so easy to forget, and God knows that about us. So he, he again, he gave a commandment to the Israelites that they would gather in some of this manna and omer and put it in a jar, and it would be placed in a place that they would see it and remember. They were to keep coming back to it. You know, it's a great sadness for those of us who maybe have been Christians for a long time, and we forget just what God has done for us. We forget what we've been rescued from. We forget who has rescued us. And it's really important that we keep coming back to tell the stories about what God has done for us, that we would share those with each other, that we would we would, you know, in our tea and coffee after this service, not just talk about the weather and um, maybe the songs, but actually to share our stories of, of what God has done for us. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't think you have a story. Maybe this is all a bit foreign to you. Well, go and ask somebody else their story. Ask somebody here, why are you here? What, what is your story? How has God brought you to this place? We learn so much about who God is and what he has done for us in the sharing of these stories of how he has 
worked in each one of our lives, and each one of us has a story to tell. Now, there was more than just looking, so the, 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 the instruction that God gave the Israelites to collect this manna in a jar, it was so that they would see how they were fed in the wilderness, but it wasn't just so that they would remember the food. Now, kids, I'm going to need your help for this last little bit. Now, there, there was the manna that fell on the ground every day, and I'm going to need some kids to come and help to gather this up. So the manna, it was like frost-like flakes, and they had to come and gather it up. Any kids can come on up and help me to gather this. And they gathered it in. But what they got, when they gathered it in, on these pieces of paper, there's no chance we're getting these in the right order right now, but on these pieces of paper, they get more than food. If we put it all together, we'll see that there's actually some words on these pieces of paper. And Dougie, if you can put up the slide, here's the words. And we find them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Thank you guys for your help. You can go and sit down again. This is what the people learned when they gathered up the manna day after day, week after week, year after year. Moses spoke in Deuteronomy 8, reflecting back on those 40 years in the wilderness. And he said, God made them hunger. He humbled them and he fed them in order that they might know that man does not live by bread alone. It wasn't just food that they were to remember. It was the Word of God. We have the Word of God in the Bible written for us, but the Word of God is Jesus Christ as well. That is one of His titles, the Word. And it's by Him that we live. It's not just physical things. We need spiritual food. Jesus is this bread from heaven who feeds us spiritually and gives us life everlasting. Joining with us to worship this morning uh, and do stay around for some tea and coffee afterwards uh, and enjoy some conversation. And now let's say the words of the, the grace together as we part. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.